Blog Talk Radio.
good afternoon. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, this is Sean Holmberg, uh, co-host for Prayer International. Uh, welcome you to our Thursday night broadcast. Um, our call in number, as always, 619-638-8458. If uh, over the course of the next two hours you find that you need prayer for something, uh, have a loved one or a friend or a family member, um, acquaintance who needs prayer, uh, please give us a call, and we will stand in agreement with you upon the Word of God to see his hand move in your life and in your friends' and family's lives. Um, so, that being said, um, where are we going tonight? It's been a long, 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 interesting weekend um, here at um, Prayer International, which isn't just um, the radio show, but um, the ministry in general, uh, if that's what you call it. Um, pretty much just a couple of guys who love to preach the gospel. Um, you know, something I was thinking about a little bit earlier before the show started is that you know, even if we didn't do blog talk radio, um, we would still be doing pretty much what we're doing now, still trying to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ um, every chance that we get. Um, because, at least for us, um, you know, as Paul said in the gospel, he said, woe is to me if I do not preach. Um, King David said, there's a fire shut up in my bones. You know, sometimes... Um, you have something inside of you that burns with um, such a passion that you can't help yourself. Um, you almost feel like you're going to explode if you don't go out and proclaim it and shout it from the rooftop in the mountains. Um, for us, that's the the love of the Lord Jesus Christ um, that has been poured out um, abundantly into our lives. Um, the knowledge of him that I mean that he's real, that he exists, that he never changes, that the same words he gave us yesterday um still apply today and those same words will apply tomorrow. We're not very orthodox here, um um especially or um on the radio radio show. Um so we never have a structure, we never have a format, anything like that. Um and so, that being said, it creates a lot of, well, a couple of things. Number one, it creates an opportunity for us when we say that we are giving the Holy Spirit and the Lord complete control over the broadcast, we mean it. Um, because we want everybody to know out there that we we are we strive to be sensitive to the leading of the Father at any moment, um, because we, we, as humans, don't always know what he has planned. Um, the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, um, but at any time things can change. And in our Christian lives, sometimes we have to um, learn to, um, I guess what the best word for it is, um, you have to be learned to be fluid, be shapeable and moldable, be sensitive that when you sense or hear the Father say something to you that you can observe to do accordingly and be obedient. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we'll get on here and we'll preach like fire. Um, 
sometimes we'll just sing, sometimes we'll just pray. Uh, more often than not, uh, we'll just be real um, and have real conversations with you. Um, we'll teach as what with whatever revelation the Lord has given us. Um, you know, sometimes I just like to talk to you, all you who are listening out there, um, as normal people, um, so that you can understand and be assured um, where we're coming from with all this. Um, and I know that some of you out there have listened to us for a long time. Some of you have listened to us for over a year and almost a year and a half now. And, I mean, we're honored. I mean, really, when I say that, I'm not just saying it because um, it's what the, the the proper thing to say. But when I say that, I mean, I, re- I really mean it because, you know, me and Chris are two, just me, Chris, and Paul, we're just three guys who um, have lives of knowing the Lord. And, you know, to get on here um, and proclaim the name of Jesus, um to people, some of you out there who have probably, possibly been serving the Lord far longer than we have, um, and so we feel it's an honor and a privilege to to even get to share this broadcast with you, um, for those of you who are listening, uh, you know, every day I go to our website, and we have that little tracker map at prayerinternational.org, and it, and it, so every time someone goes to the website, it, like, puts a little dot there, and you know, we we never advertise the website except for on Blog Talk. We told maybe a few of our friends about it, but you know, in the course of a year, um, we've had people come to our website from every corner of the earth, and you know, the very fact that the Lord's allowing us um, to be used by Him, um, and you know, there are times, and actually, you know what? That's not the right thing to say. There's always something to pray for. Uh, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter um, what nation, what city, uh, what political leader. There's always something in the world to pray for. There's always something to intercede for. There's always something that we can stand in the gap for. There's always something to agree with the Lord about regarding this earth that we live upon, um, whether it's nations or leaders or whatever. Um, so there's never... Any time I believe that there would ever be a lack of need to pray, um, the real question is how fervently um, do we desire to pray and how fervently do we sense the urgency to um, stand before the Father and intercede before him on behalf of nations and kingdoms and people. You know, I was thinking earlier today, um, during the day I was thinking about the broadcast tonight and, you know, something that occurred to me is that, and and the question that was posed to me um, was how many people does it really take to change the world and to change not only the world, but the course of the world, the course of people's lives. You see, when one person's life is changed, whether for good or for bad, it never, ever just affects them. There's always a rippling effect to everyone around them. Um, If anybody who's listening 
um, has ever had a family member who was addicted to drugs or was an alcoholic or had any kind of controlling issue in their life that they were in bondage to, you'll know that it doesn't just affect them. It affects their friends. It affects their families. It affects their coworkers. It affects the very people they interact with on a daily basis. And in like manner, you know, every, every, everything you do out there in the world. And, you know, it seems when I say it like that, it seems overly serious possibly, but, but it's true. Every, everywhere you go, everything you do, every word that proceeds out of your mouth um, is going to glorify someone. It's going to glorify either the enemy. It's going to glorify the world. It's going to glorify yourself or it's going to glorify God. And it's rare that, you can do any more than one of those at the same time, at least when it comes to God. Um, we're either glorifying the Lord Jesus with what comes out of, our, out of our mouth or we're not. And, you know, the Bible says that you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. And what it means is um, it also says that a good tree will not bear bad fruit, a bad fruit, a bad tree will not bear good fruit. If, you know, Jesus never had to declare himself to be the Son of God. He did declare who he was, but he would never have had to. Um, many times when the Pharisees and the religious scribes came to taunt and to um, persecute the Lord Jesus, and they would ask him about his authority and ask him who he was, and he, he would always, almost always give the same answer, which is Jesus would always say, the, the works that I do... Um, the works that I do testify of who I am. Um, those aren't the exact words, but it's pretty much what he was saying. Um, and people knew that. People, I mean, there was a blind man and who Jesus um, healed. I believe it was a blind man. And, you know, Jesus healed him. The Pharisees got all upset, and they asked him, they asked the blind man, well, who, did, who healed you? Because um, he did it on the Sabbath. Like the like, Because they were more concerned with upholding an ordinance and commandment, not that the Sabbath was just um, a, a, an ordinance, but their state, their version of it, um, then having the will of God be done in someone's life. And, you know, when they asked the blind man who healed you, and they immediately thought he, that Jesus was evil because he broke their version of the Sabbath. And, you know, something the blind man said is, um, how can this man not be from God? Um, when has it ever been heard that the eyes of a blind were open? Well, um, the works that Jesus did declare who he was. And the works that we do will declare who we are. They'll declare who we stand with. They'll declare who we believe, um, whose side we're on, whether it's the world or it's God's. And you can't be on both sides. There's... There is, though, however, many, many people who stand on the line, um, who stand between uh, trying to serve God and trying to serve the world or their flesh. They don't always think they're serving the world, but by serving your flesh, um, by living in your flesh, following desires of your flesh, then you in some ways choose to serve the world. And so when we go out there and we do anything, um, and I'm not saying 
said I'm perfect because I'm so, 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 so very far from perfect. Um, just to let all you know this, um, it, it's a really striking um, concept to put it that way. Because, you know, the, when I heard today, what difference can one person make? And I, and I really thought about it. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a battle, and the man of God who was fighting the battle asked the Lord to hold the sun in place for an entire, until their enemies could be vanquished. And, you know, the Lord held the sun for an entire day. Abraham stood before the Lord and interceded and prayed on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah that they wouldn't be destroyed. I believe it was Gomorrah. One man who had the guts, and, you know, it, it takes guts and boldness to stand before the Father. Um, the Bible says that we have access in, to this grace in which we stand. And it says to come boldly to the throne of grace, but it still takes bold, it takes that boldness to come to his, into his presence. But Abraham did, Abraham did it. He stood in, front, and stood in the presence of God, and he pleaded with the Lord to change his mind on something the Lord had already determined. And, you know, the Lord yielded, um, and not like he gave up, but, you know, when Abraham said, if there was just 50 righteous, would you save it? Or would you not destroy it? And the Lord said, okay, if there's 50 righteous, I won't destroy it. And then Abraham must have thought really quickly, realizing which uh, nation he was talking, or which city he was talking about. I was like, hey, well, Lord, what if there's only 25? And the Lord said, okay, if there's only 25 righteous, I will not destroy it. And then he thought again and realized it was a really horrible place. And he's like, okay, Lord, if you can just find five righteous, will you, please, will you not destroy it? And the Lord said, okay, I won't destroy it for five righteous. And um, off the top of my head, without pulling it up, I can't tell you exactly how far down they went. But, you know, the Lord couldn't find them, any of those righteous. And so the um, city got destroyed. And yet here we are, um, men and women, who are who are righteous, not by our own works, not because we've had impeccable lives of observing the Word of God and following it precisely, um, but we're declared righteous because of what someone else did. And I'm trying to talk to you as, as plainly as possible for some of you out there who may never have listened to our show. Um, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Ephesians um, chapter 2, verse verse 4. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. It says, um, and later in chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, all of us are, regardless of how you really see yourself, what how God sees you is he sees you as righteous through the blood of Jesus. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, um, when 
the last plague was coming upon the Egyptians when the children of Israel were still in bondage, the Lord told them to um, sacrifice an animal and put the blood on of the animal on the doorposts of their house. So when the spirit of death came by to destroy the households, they it would see the blood, and the blood would, sync, would symbolize that a price had been paid and that they were righteous. Um, and death would pass over them and bring life. You know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves, tried to gain their own covering, their own, um, try to cover their own sins, which they they never could. Because while they could maybe hide their sin and hide from the Lord, they can never fully cleanse their conscience. They can never remove the guilt and the shame of sin, which is why they needed the covering to begin with, was not because of their sin and not because they could hide their sin, but because of the very shame of their sin, um, because sin brings shame, and which brings um, fear, and it brings condemnation. And, you know, the Bible says in one place, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, you know, it says in Romans chapter 8, Verse 1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And, you know, so we stand here, all of us, um, clothed in white robes. You may never have actually, and it's sort of figuratively speaking, but, you know, um, the Bible says that all our own, all our all our righteous acts that we've committed or think we've committed, um, it says they're like filthy rags to the Lord. Um, because our righteous acts really are that. Um, we can never obtain to the holiness of God. Um, and luckily we don't have to. Um, Jesus Christ died for every one of us so that we could have be considered righteous through what he did and not what we had done. He paid the price for our sins and the Bible says he is he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. He has declared us to the Father to be just, to be righteous, to be holy, to be pure, to be um sanctified, redeemed in his presence. You know, I remember when I was in church a long time ago when I was a kid, there was this song they used to always sing, and um, it was called, um, I don't remember what it was called, but one of the part of the chorus was that we shall assemble on the mountain, we shall assemble, stand before the king, um, and then it says we will sing the song of the redeemed. And... You know, for eternity, once this life is over, this the net, whichever breath it is, when the Lord removes his breath from us and we go back to him, from that moment on, we will stand before him singing the song of the redeemed, not being able just yet to see fully what he really has done, not being able to fully grasp and understand everything, because we know in part now, but when we see him, 
will will everything will be revealed and we'll see things fully, um, not so thinly through a veil. And because in this world, in this life we live in, um, everything that we see, everything comes through a filter of our flesh, through our experiences, um, which is why you can talk to many different people and ask many people what they believe. And even those who somewhat figure the same thing um, will still see it somewhat differently because their um, thoughts, their expectations are filter, have a filter um, over them based on what they've lived through, based on what they know of the Lord, what they've seen the Lord do in their lives. And, you know, it goes back to, I guess I'm getting way off topic, but, you know, Abraham stood before God and changed the course of not just those two nations, but who knows what else after that. Um, If you look through the New Testament, you'll see the life of Paul, who was one man who was radically, drastically, amazingly changed by the Lord. And it didn't matter how many Christians came up to him when he was persecuted and saying, you need to serve the Lord Jesus. It took the Lord literally smacking him upside the head, coming down with a um, blazing light and knocking him off his horse say, hey, I'm Jesus who you're crucifying. And Paul immediately is like, oh, okay, you're real. I'm, I'm whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll do. And then he changed the course of the entire world. Um, most of the books in the New Testament were written by Paul. And he had the experience because he knew what it was like to live without the Lord and then to have the Lord be revealed to him, to realize the, the love of God which passes knowledge, to understand the the height and the depth and the width and the length of it, to know that all his previous sins had been passed over, to understand that he had a current and present Redeemer, to understand that he had a Savior and a Counselor and a Guide and a Shepherd and a King. He had, up to that point, served whichever the ruler was of Rome or whatever nation he was in, but now he stood as serving the king above all the king of all kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he changed the world by writing out of his heart, by writing what was real to him. Um by writing about what he had seen the Lord do and what he had heard the Lord speak. And you know all over this world, there are men, women, and children. And I say children because children um, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who have no shame and are bold to proclaim that they believe in the Lord God and Jesus Christ. And, you know, they have no doubt that if they go up and lay hands on the sick, that they'll be healed because they know that God hears them. And all over this world, there's men, women, and children who are praying, and they're out there making a difference, and they're out there seeing the world around them changed through the glory of God, seeing the name of Jesus exalted and magnified, 
understanding that his name is above all names, that at the name of Jesus, this is every knee will bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and uh, those under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, so that being said, um, I need to go check the phone lines because people are calling in. So our call in number 619-638-8458. We're going to take a really quick break, and we'll be right back. Lord, we say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, for my soul longs and even Better is one 
hear a roar out of Zion. I hear a cry saying, send you to four. I see dark clouds, but I see a light. I see an army of warriors, hope deferred with fear. I hear a voice saying, can these dry bones live? Oh! 
Well, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. Um, I'm your co-host, Sean Holmberg. Um, we have Paul Pinter on the line. How are you doing tonight, Paul? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Oh, pretty good. Um, and um, one of Chris's um, friends um, named Roger, who is um, a really anointed um, man who the Lord's called to preach, Um He's actually in the waiting room right now, um, and um, I've never heard Roger preach. I've never heard him talk until just a few seconds ago when he called in. All I knew, I recognized his name. I, I don't know if you were on the line, Paul, um, the other day or a couple weeks ago when he was on, um, but, you know, Chris told me that um, – he told me a couple things about Roger. He told me, one, that he um, – that he, he knew the scripture, he knew the word of God, um, which you could tell that he spends time, and he spends time in prayer. He spends time reading the word, and you know he has a and he has a calling of God upon his life. And um, like we were talking about last night, how we always um, that it's not about us; it's about the Holy Spirit. It's about um, his, it's about God's plans, God's purposes. It's about His glory, not ours. Um, you know, anytime there's someone out there who has anything from the Lord or um, has an anointing, um, I have absolutely no problem laying the show aside and letting someone else jump up here because it's the same Holy Spirit. And um, so uh, about 11 o'clock, which is in about 20 minutes, um, he's going to possibly get on and um, and um, pray and then... Um, you know what, I have no idea what he's going to talk about, uh, and but the Holy Spirit, I trust him. And um, so we'll just see what the Holy Spirit does. Um, but, you know, when I was talking about one person making a difference, and I guess that, that was my theme for from the Lord for today. And, um, you know, how do we go about this? Um Roger. I, I, I spend a lot of time, um, me and my wife, uh, me more than my wife, um, spend a lot of time um, study, watching history shows, studying um, history and science stuff. And, um, and one of the concepts in science is that of um, like a ripple effect. Um, and just to sort of explain that to all of you, um, so I'll paint a I'll paint a scenario for you, okay? Um, and this is hypothetical, but let me just paint a story here to show you, um, try to demonstrate the impact of our actions <clears throat> and why it's so important to um, always be in prayer, always be in the presence of the Lord, always be obedient to Him. So you're driving along the road one day, say you're going home from work, and all of a sudden you feel the Lord um, tell you to stop at a gas station to get something to drink. Um, maybe you don't even necessarily know the Lord. All of a sudden you decide, I'm going to stop here. And you stop at the gas station, and um, you go inside, you get your drink or whatever, and 
you leave the gas station and there's a man standing outside the gas station and he he sort of looks like he's homeless as far as his clothes are dirty he's um hasn't shaved in a couple weeks um and he says he he looks at you and he says do you have a dollar and you look in your wallet and you don't have any and you're like no i don't have any uh, i don't have any cash on me um and, you know, some people would just turn around and walk away. Some people would see whatever change they have. And um, But let's just say that you walk away and then all of a sudden you realize, hey, wait, I have a bank card. Um, what is stopping me outside of the mistrust that the world has developed in me for people um, and not loving others as myself? Um and not wanting to give freely away the things that the Lord has given me. What's stopping me from going into my bank account and pulling out a couple dollars for this man um, who, when you ask him, says he just wants to get himself something to eat? Um, so, you go to the guy, so you go to the ATM, you pull out some money, you hand him the money, and you stop and pray for him, or maybe you just turn around and you just walk away. You don't even wait for him to say thank you. You just turn around and walk away because you're not in it for the money. You're just wanting to bless him and because, you know, that's what the Lord would do. That's what Jesus would do. And so what is the impact of that? Um, do you have a necessarily a good feeling on the inside? You know what? You help someone, so maybe. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is how much does that man's life, how much did that man's life just change because of one act of of obedience um, to the Lord and to the leading of the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, that man, you never know. That man could have been, he may not have eaten in weeks. Um, he may be depressed. He may be suicidal. He may just be looking for hope somewhere. He may have had a horrible life and he lost his job, lost his home, doesn't have anything to his name and you know, he's walking along this he's walking along the road and all of a sudden he feels some desire to walk over to this particular gas station. Now we don't know because we know we know the Bible says that um the Lord changes the hearts of men. He did it to Pharaoh when he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Um, so the Lord can interact with men. He can put desires in our hearts, and he can um, give us impressions. Um, you know, there is a really famous prophet, um, and I honestly could, can't remember his name, but um, and I wish I could. When I was at Christ of the Nations, we read a book that he wrote, and I got to see this prophet live and in person, and, you know, he said, when the Lord speaks to him, you know, and every time this man prophesies, it's always accurate. It's, like, dead-on exact. And, you know, when he said something which I thought was um, amazing, he said, the Lord, he never hears a, a voice out loud. All he hear, all he gets is he gets this faint impression in his spirit to do something. And so he learned just from this little like instinct that shoots up from his spirit to do something as slight as it is like a, a faint whisper 
he learned to be obedient to that. And um, so who's to say that the Lord didn't tell this homeless man or this man to stop at this one gas station? And at the exact same time that the Lord was telling you to stop at that gas station, giving you the same impression. And so the Lord just put both of you in the same area so that you could be a blessing and demonstrate his love to this man. Because, you know, when we go out in the world, the biggest thing we're demonstrating is not our ability to proclaim a good message, not our ability to be eloquent or to um, be even persuasive. Paul said, I came to you and my preaching um, was not with human wisdom and persuasive words, but he said it was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power that your faith would be in men and not in God. And, you know, so the biggest thing we show people out there is the love of God through Christ Jesus. Um, and it's not just conveyed in our words, it's conveyed in our actions, it's conveyed in our attitude, it's conveyed in the way we live our lives, the way we treat everyone around us. From the people that see us every day um, out in public to the very people that are in our very homes, um, there shouldn't be a difference between the way you treat people outside who can who who you're trying to impress and those people who are in your very homes. There should be the same level of love of the Lord for everybody. Um, when you see your wife or your husband, you should be loving them with the love of Jesus, the same love which God has for you. When you see people at work, you should be loving them with the love of Jesus, um, the same that he has for you, not gossiping, not um, evil speaking of them, not doubting them or anything else, not tearing them down but being a blessing. You know, when James said that blessing and cursings can come out of the same mouth and it shouldn't be, um, you know, if you love someone, you're not going to speak evil of them. You're always, like it says in Corinthians, um, it says love, um, what was it? It says love sees no evil, believes all things, hopes all things, trusts all things, love never fails. You know, that same love that God has for us, that's everlasting, that's unending, that's unfailing, should be the same love with with which we should be living our lives and demonstration of it to the entire world around us, no matter who the person is, whether it's our pastor, our wife, or some prostitute who's on the street. Because in reality, despite the person's actions and despite the person's choices and lifestyles, it does not negate the fact of whose creation they really are and whom they belong to. Because though a person may not realize they belong to the Lord Jesus, it doesn't mean they don't, because it was God who placed them in their mother's womb. It was the Lord God who created them. It was the Lord God who set a plan for their life and declared that he had a plan for their life um, to give them a future and a hope. And it was for them that the Lord Jesus died. And so the same love with which God has for us and the same love with which Jesus had when he looked upon the multitudes and he said he was moved with compassion – you know, it should be the same way that we see every single person we interact with. And, you know, if we're not doing that and we're not having that kind of fruit in our lives, 
then the issue doesn't rest with what's on the outside and the world around us, but what rests in us. Because the world can be as corrupt as it wants to be, and it's going to be. The world can be as evil and sinful and as wicked, and it can live in any way it wants to. But regardless of how the world lives, and regardless of how the world around us thinks, it doesn't change the fact that the world is still the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that it's his kingdom that's come. His will is going to be done regardless of what the world may think about it. And our job is to put on the armor of God, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to put on the garment of praise, the spirit of happiness, to put on the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to go into a world declaring to them, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter anything about them, that the Lord loves them. Yes, we don't have to stand um, in ignorance um, Allowing, I mean, declaring that sin is okay. Um, there is a righteous judgment um, that will be had. And, you know, sooner or later we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we don't need to condemn someone because the Word of God itself will condemn people. Um, Jesus said those who do not believe in him have been, are condemned already because they haven't been believed in the name of the only begotten Son of the Father. So all we have to do is demonstrate his love to them so they can come to know and trust him, give their life unto him, and then the Lord will work in their heart and change their heart and shape them and mold them and declare that they're righteous and begin the work of sanctifying them. And um, so, you know, the, the little difference that you make when you're out there and the little actions that may seem completely inconsequential can have a dramatic change. Because the story of this homeless guy, you know, what happens when he goes home? And, you know, instead of being miserable and depressed and um, wanting to drink or whatever and getting in a fight with his family um, or whatever else, what if he has a smile for the first time in a year? What if the compassion that one person showed him was an answer to a prayer? I mean, you know, I've actually heard true stories of people who walked into churches. You know, and here's a true story for you. Um, the same prophet who I, I mentioned earlier um, told us this story, um, which I know, which, um, and he, he named the names, and I don't remember the names. Because it's been a while, but so so here's the story. Um, he's in this church, and the Lord um, in the back of this church, there's this guy who has um, all sorts of crazy hair, like orange, purple, green. I think it was in a mohawk, and didn't really look like the kind of person most churches would allow in their churches, because the churches, most churches nowadays, look at people on the outside, and they don't look at their heart or what they believe, and or whom they love. And, but he's in the back of the church, and the Lord speaks to him about this guy, and, um, but the Lord tells him not to say anything. Um, the Lord just tells me he has a plan for him, he has a purpose for him, um, the Lord's going to use him. So he skips over him, and the prophet starts, um, praying for other people. Well, not 20 minutes later, this kid, um, gets up out of his 
the church seat and walks out of the church because he's bored. And, you know, I've been in some churches, and I hate to say it, but sometimes they can be a little bit boring. Um, some can. And so he walks outside of the church, and he's just walking around. He's standing around on the corner of the street, and out of the blue, he has this weird desire that he wants to do a handstand. So he just does a handstand right there on the street corner, and he doesn't really care what anybody around him thinks of him or anything else, and obviously by the color of his hair. And The next thing you know, as soon as he gets down from his little handstand, this guy comes running across the street to him, sort of cre- sort of creeping and freaking him out, freaking him out a little bit. <laughs> the guy runs across the street to him and he says, "And ask who he is." And this guy has tears in his eyes, and um, he says to this kid with the colored hair and the mohawk, he said. I was just on my way home to kill myself because I felt that the Lord had abandoned me. I lost my family. I lost my job. I have nothing to live for. I was on my way home, and I have a gun, and I was going to put it to my head and kill myself. And while I was driving, I I told the Lord, the, the last chance is he would have to prove himself. And I need to see a kid with this colored hair doing a handstand on the street corner, or I'm le- or uh, that's it. I'm gonna do it. So, what's the Lord do? The Lord knows what this kid's going through. So beforehand, the Lord plans to have a kid in the church on that street corner with the right color hair puts a faint impression on his heart to go outside and then puts a faint impression on his heart to do a handstand all so that he could prove to this other person how much he loves him and that he didn't need to end his life because he the Lord was real. And, you know, the Lord will use us all the time to change the lives of those around us. And we'll never know the full story of the people's lives we interact with. We'll never know really what our little, tiny, minuscule act of obedience to the Lord, which may only take a few seconds, will really change in eternity. And, you know, if I can say anything tonight is that, you know, when the Lord says or gives you an impression to do something, don't doubt it. Because you could be changing all of eternity for some person, changing someone's entire life, changing their family's life, and every person they ever come in contact with because of one time that you decided to be obedient to the Lord. Um, that being said, we're going to take a, another really, really, really small break. Back.
Glory in the high. Glory in the high. Glory. 
of Jesus Christ were healed, Lord. So, Father, in your name, Jesus, we ask for complete and total healing over Ophelia's body right now, Lord. Father, whatever the cause of her infirmity is, from the top of her head, Lord, to the soles of her feet, Father, we ask for complete and total restoration, Lord, complete and total healing, Father. Let every pain, every ache, Father, every discomfort go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Father, we rebuke every, any spirit of disease, Lord, in your name, and command it to go from her now in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. Lord, we pray you bring her complete revelation, Lord. Give her complete discernment, Father. Reveal yourself to her, Lord. Father, strengthen her with might by your presence, by your spirit in her and her man, Lord, that Christ can dwell in her heart through faith, Father. Lord, place your hand upon her, Father, and give her direction and guidance, Lord. Your word declares that a man can plan his ways, but you will direct their steps, Father. So, Lord, we ask that you reveal your word unto her, because your word declares that the word itself is a lamp unto our feet and our light unto our path, Father. Jesus, you said you were the good shepherd and the voice of a stranger we wouldn't follow. And you said it's your plan, your desires, that we may have life and have it more abundantly, Father. So, Lord, as um, King David said, that you are our shepherd, Father, and that we shouldn't want for anything or shouldn't need anything, Lord, because you lead us beside still waters. You make us lie down in green pastures, Father. You prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You anoint us with the oil of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray all this for Ophelia, Lord, in your name, Lord, that you would lead her and guide her, Father, and to the plans and purposes you have for her, Father, that you would cause her to move into a place where you can pour out the, your blessing upon her life, Father. Lord, trusting you that you're Jehovah Jireh, Father, you will provide for every one of her financial needs, Lord, and not only her financial needs, Lord, but emotional, spiritual, Father, needs as well, Lord, for the relationships in her family, Lord, that you would deliver every member of her family. For your word declares that we in our household shall be saved, Lord. And so we stand upon your promises, Father, asking for the complete total deliverance of her entire household, Father, that they would all come to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Father, that you would put your anointing on Philia's mouth, Father, to boldly proclaim, Lord, your word to the nation, Father, of Singapore, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Okay, everybody, this is Prayer International Radio. For those of you who are just t- tuning in, our call-in number is 619-638-8458. We do have Roger on the line, um, um, who spoke here once a couple weeks ago. And, you know, in this last song, we were praying for just a minute. You know, the scripture that came to me uh, is, you know, um, in the Old Testament, Elijah um, had this issue where he got scared of some stuff, and he went hiding in a in a in a um, in a uh, cave. And you know, the Lord, and he 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 thought he was the only one out there um, that was still serving the Lord and willing to preach and everything. And you know, God said to Elijah, He said, "Yet," and this is First Kings nineteen eighteen. He said, "Yet I have reserved ten thousand in Israel." All whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that is not that has not kissed him, and you know what it means is that there are, and you know there are thousands and millions of people out there anointed to preach the gospel of Christ, because it's the same Holy Spirit um, that was in the disciples that is with us today. So, uh, Roger, I am. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so all you, this is Roger. Roger, this is everybody. I'm pretty much going to, like, sit back and let the Holy Spirit uh, speak through Roger, say, I mean, pretty much whatever the Holy Spirit um, wants to do, then Holy Spirit, it's all yours. We give it to you, so be it. And Roger, it's yours. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Basically, I was just trying to think of what, you know, to preach um, tonight and, the, you know, I had a little bit of time to prepare, but, you know, what God, you know, spoke to me on is to preach about walking in the Spirit. Um, I know sometimes we could prepare certain things, you know, we could prepare to preach a message and it go in a different direction. Um, that's why the Bible says there are many plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So it's all about, you know, what he wants to do, but I want to try to preach off that topic, walking in the Spirit. As believers, um, you know, walking in the spirit, we have to understand that we are a spirit. People, I mean, we walk in the flesh, but we are, our body is composed of three parts. We are body, we are we are soul, and we are spirit. You are, we are a spirit. We live in the body, and we have a soul. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotion. The thinker, the chooser, and the feeler. We have to understand that. The Bible says that we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience once your obedience is fulfilled. So what we have to understand, the Bible says in the first part of that verse, it says that we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. As believers, we have to understand that the, that the battle is not with flesh. You cannot fight the enemy in your flesh. This is not Constantine. He doesn't go down with you know rocket launchers and bazookas and you know an AK-47. That's not how we fight our battle. The Bible says the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The way that we fight our spiritual battles, and I'm just laying a little bit of a background, you know, for what I'm you know kind of trying to get ready to say here is that we have to understand that the battle is not with flesh and blood. It's in the spiritual. <clears throat> we have to understand. The Bible says, therefore, having taken on the full armor of God, 
the Bible tells us about the four armor of God. It says, it says, have a shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And it talks about all the thing, all the full armor of God. And we are to clothe ourselves in the full armor of God. We have to understand that there's no way that we can fight the enemy in the physical. We have to fight him in the spiritual. See, every time that the devil attacked Jesus, the only thing that Jesus said back to the devil was, it is written, it is written, it is written. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written, you shall serve the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. All he did was quote the word back to him. What we have to understand is that when the devil attacks us, all we have to do is quote the word back to him. You see, the Bible says on the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. All we have to do is come into an agreement with his word that has already gone forth. The Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. Psalms 119.89 says, O Lord, forever your word is settled in heaven. His word will never return void. The Bible says, so shall be my word that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. His word doesn't return void. All we have to do is come into an agreement with his word. If the devil tells you you're not going to make it, you have to understand that you are going to make it because the devil cannot tell the truth. The Bible says he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. You see, the only way that you can attack the devil, the Bible says resist the devil and he shall flee from you. A lot of people are worried about the devil and worried about what he's going to do next and focus on what he's doing and Instead of putting your attention on God, some people, what they'll do is they'll, put the, the, they'll focus their attention on the problem rather than the problem solver, the problem rather than the solution. A lot of people will magnify their enemies rather than magnify their God. When you magnify your God, you're not actually you're not making God any bigger than he is. You're just magnifying him. You're making him a lot bigger than he is. You're not, you're not actually making him bigger. But when you start to magnify your God and start... Instead of starting to magnify your enemies, you will see just how small your problems truly are. The Bible says, the Bible says that he is able, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us through Christ Jesus, to him be the power and the glory of the churches to all generations. We have to understand that there is nothing outside of his reach. The only way that you are able, that you will be able to fight the enemy is in the spiritual realm. You see, the Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not work according to the flesh. The Bible also says, now that we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The things that you cannot see are the eternal things. The things that you can see are temporary things. The Bible says this, that this earth will burn with a fervent heat. This earth won't be here forever. We have to understand that the eternal things are the things that you can't see. The devil is not going to reveal himself to you. The devil is not going to just show his face to you. If the devil were to come to you and, and, and just show his face to you and, say, and sit there and start speaking lies to you, you would never believe what he was telling you. You would never act on the things that he was telling you. That's why he does not reveal himself. Another reason the devil is not going to reveal himself is because the proof of, the, proof of the devil that the devil exists prove, proves God's existence. If the devil were to show himself to you, it would only prove God's existence. It would prove that there's a God. That's why the devil's not going to reveal himself to you. But the only way that you could fight the devil is in the authority that you have in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The Bible says over all the power of the enemy. The devil does have power if you give it to him. The devil doesn't have any power except for the power that you give to him. 
We have to understand that we have the authority over the enemy. The Bible says, I will give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. You have authority over the devil. I don't spend my time telling the devil what to do. I command him what to do. But the only way that you can do that is by walking in God's will and God's purpose for your life. We have to understand it's not this. The authority that you have over... Still there, Roger? Okay, it looks like we have temporarily lost Roger. Um, so we will wait for him to call back in in just a second. Um, you know, it's ironic because it's exactly the same thing we were talking about last night. Um, so uh, let's go back to some worship for just a minute. Um, and wait for him to call back in, and we will be – oh, there he is. You back with us, Roger? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good to go. Sorry, man. I got disconnected. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Maybe the devil no, didn't like fun. that. I don't know. Maybe the devil no. wasn't liking that message very much. No, we're Can still live. Yeah, we're live. Keep going. That's, that's fine, man. But the thing is this. is like I was saying. I mean, you have no authority over the enemy. We don't have authority over the enemy until we're walking in his authority. When you're walking in the flesh, if you... When you're walking in the flesh, you're no match for the devil. You are no match for him in your flesh. He will destroy you when you're walking in the flesh. You see, we have to be walking in the spirit to be able to overcome the enemy. The authority that we have is through the obedience of his word. That's when you walk with the anointing. The Bible says, touch not mine anointed. You know, we, we have to understand that the other scripture, I think that you might have quoted this earlier, I'm not sure. It says, thou preparest the table before me, the presence of my enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Bible says, there's another scripture that says that the yoke shall be destroyed. It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken from off thy neck, and thy yoke from off thy and the be destroyed because the anointing. You see, when, man, when you have a, when you have the anointing of God upon your life, it will destroy the yoke. See, the devil can't tie me down with a yoke of bondage. He can't tie me down with a burden or a yoke. The yoke is something that you that ties around your neck that holds you down that pulls you down. The, the devil cannot pull me down because the anointing that is upon my life. When you have God's anointing upon your life, the devil can't hold you down. But the only way that you can walk with that anointing, anybody can walk with the anointing of God upon their life if you're seeking it. It's not something special that, that, that is only for certain people or reserved for certain people or VIP percentage of people. That's not the way that it works. The anointing comes with, with obedience to his word. But the only way that you're going to be able to fight the enemy is in the spiritual realm. We have to understand I mean, if you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil as well. The word declares, and I'm not trying to give him any glory. All I'm trying to get uh, us to understand here is that the authority that we have over him is, is, is in the word. The word is the authority. The Bible says you exalt your word above all your name. God exalts his word above all of his name. But the Bible also tells us that when the disciples came to Jesus, they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I mean, God's used me before in the past to cast out demons. But the point is this, though, is that it wasn't me. It was him. It was his name. 
That's why I think you quoted this earlier too. That's why it says, therefore God has also highly exalted him, given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Even Satan at one point in time will bow to his knees and confess with his tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's going to happen. The Bible declares that it's going to happen. It will happen. If you have knees, they will bow. If you have a tongue, it will confess. But the authority is in his name. And if you want that authority in your life, you have to be obedient to his word. The authority comes with obedience to his word, period. You can't just be walking in the flesh and expect to be able to overcome the devil. If if, if we're walking in our flesh... You're not you're not a match for the devil walking in your flesh. He will destroy you. Walking in your flesh, he will consume you. You will continue to walk down that, that spiral road or whatever that just leads to destruction. I mean, we have to be able to understand where our help comes from. The last look to the hills for which come that help. So the the point is, is this that I'm trying to get to is that walking in the spirit. The Bible says, I say, then walk in the spirit that you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. The only way that we're going to be able to overcome is by walking in the spirit. If you start, start getting out of your words, stop reading, stop praising, stop worshiping, stop doing those things, eventually the devil will start to overcome you and overpower you. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, my words that I speak to are spirit and they are life. He who feeds on me will live because of me. Feeds is plural. It's not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing. We're to continually feed off the word of God. He said, my words that I speak to are spirit and they are life. And then later in the scripture, down in that chapter, he said, he who feeds on me will live because of me. His word is a spirit and they are life. The point that I'm trying to get everybody to understand is simply this. That to be able to overcome the devil, you have to be walking in the spirit. You have to walk with the anointing upon your life. I'm not trying to say anything bad. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just trying to say simply this, is that in these end days, we do need to have the power of God. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, they having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof. There's a lot of people that, that claim to be godly. There's a lot of people that claim to have God in their life. But we have to understand that, that there is a power as well. That's why in Mark sixteen sixteen said, "Go into all nations, preach." Uh, uh, he said, "Baptize." The Bible says, "Go ye therefore in all nations, preaching the gospel to every creature. As many as believe and are baptized shall be saved. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out demons, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them." He said, in my name, they will cast out demons. In whose name? In Jesus' name. The, the point is this. The Bible says, you believe there is one God, not as well. Even the demons believe and tremble. They tremble at the name of Jesus. That's, that's how you're going to gain victory over your situations, over your battles, is knowing where the power comes from. You can't do it in your own authority. It's not in our authority that we're able to overcome the enemy. But the, the, the reason that I'm... Quoting, you know, all these scriptures is just kind of to just lay a backdrop to get us to understand that we are not going to be able in these last days to be able to stand if we aren't fighting in the spiritual realm. Every day we we have to understand if you were to under, if you were to be able to see the demons that were around you that were causing you to st- slip and stumble and the things that were spoken to you. I mean, we all go through things. I don't think there's a person that's under my voice right now that hasn't went through something, that hasn't slipped up or stumbled or fell or had some type of perverted thought or something that's went on at some point in their life. 
But there is there is only one way that you can overcome those things, and that's through the power of his word, through the power of his name. We have to understand that the authority that we have is in him. You see, the Bible says they profess to know God, but in works they deny him. You see, what, what does that mean in works? I mean, there's things that we are to do. There's things, we, have, we have works that are set, up, set before us. You see, the Bible, Jesus simply told us this. He says we are to be obedient to his word, period. Jesus, when he was speaking to his disciples, he said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who doeth the work of my Father, that he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. His will is his word. His word is his will. His will is his desire. It's his desire for you to keep your, his word. That's why he said, He who keeps my commandments, it is he who loves me. But then he goes on. He says, but he does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He continues. He said, many will come to me in that day, saying, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And I will declare unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who work at iniquity. We have to understand that it's not about claiming it's, it's not about claiming the name. It's about being obedient. He said, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, a lot of people want the kingdom, but they don't want the king. A lot of people want salvation, but they don't want the Savior. You see, you can't have salvation without the Savior. You can't have the kingdom without the king. It, it's, it's like this. If you take a, a plug and put it into a light socket, and, you're, and you gotta, let's say you turn on that lamp, the light's shining through the lamp. But imagine I'm plugging the cord from the wall. You expect that light to continue to shine on that lamp. The light will go off. Why? Because you've unplugged it from the power source. How do you expect to unplug yourself from the power source, which is God, and expect to have power over your situation? That's, that, that's the purpose for the Holy Spirit. He said, in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. You have to look throughout the whole book of Acts, if you notice, the Bible says that they, that they were, were hoping that even that the, the shadow of Peter would pass over them, knowing that they would be healed. They were just walking in that authority. They were walking in the anointing. We have to have his power and his authority over our life to be able to overcome the enemy. There are certain things that might be going on in your life. I mean, you have to start declaring some things. But when you start declaring some things, you have to understand that the devil is going to try to come against those things that you're declaring because he wants to see if you're really made of the things that you're saying. I mean, you have the authority to start casting out those devils. I mean, if you have, for example, if the devil's attacking you, if he's attacking your family, if you have, if you have an attack in your finances, if, if, you're, if you're looking for healing or whatever it is, you have the authority to start speaking to those things because he gave you that authority, and the authority's in his name, authority to command the devil. You can speak to the devil and say, Satan, I command you in the authority of the name of Jesus to take your hands off my family, off my finances, off of my body. In the authority of the name of Jesus to take your hands off of my life in Jesus' name. You have that authority to be able to command the devil what to do. The Bible says Christ must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. If we make up the body of Christ and we also make up the feet, the devil is meant to be put under our feet. Not, not vice versa. Oftentimes what people do is they give, the Bible says neither gives place to the devil. People, a lot of times what people do, they, they will give him that place. They will give him that, that place of authority in their life by not speaking to their situations. It's not, I'm not, 
preaching a name it and claim it gospel. It's not I'm telling you to name or claim something. I'm just telling you to claim the word. If the word of God says, I give you the authority to trample our serpents and score all God, his word, he's given you that authority. All you've got to do is claim it. All you're doing is coming into an agreement with his word. If the Bible tells you you're not going to make it, all you have to do is say, Satan, you're a liar. The Bible says, I would never leave you nor forsake you. If God be for us, who could be against us? So we have to understand that it's our right to come into an agreement with his word. Some people, uh, don't take this the wrong way, are scared to come into agreement with his word. But thinking that they're not going to be able to have what the Bible has told them that they can have. Man, we just have to understand this simply, is that his word is forever settled in heaven. You can come into an agreement with anything that his word says. This, the same God that said, let there be light. If he told you that he, if the same God that said let there be light told you that he was going to give you something as a promise, if he said I promise this to you, it's yours. The same God that said let there be light, if he were to speak something into your life, it's going to happen. The Bible says, so shall be my word that that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. His word is not going to return void. If he has spoken something to you or told you that he's going to give you something, it won't return void. Anything that God has spoken will not return void. It will not come back. It it, it will accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Will he say and will he not do? Or has he, he not make it good? He's not a man that he should lie. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. What that means is that if he were to say, look at that tree, even if there wasn't a tree there, as soon as he speaks it, there will be a tree. God didn't need to snap his finger and say, abracadabra, alakazam, to create the heavens and the universe. He said, let there be light, and there was a light. It took four words to create everything that you see in the sky. We have to understand that the Bible also says that he had predestined, the Bible says that, that, that he is the description of the Bible says that he has uh, predestinated us. I'm looking at the other scripture. I'm trying to think of it off the top of my head. It says, having chosen us in him, having chosen us in him before the foundations of the world. You were already chosen before he even laid the foundations of the world down. The Bible says, having chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Before he laid down the foundation of the world in Genesis 1-1, where it said, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Before he said all that, he said, Let there be you. Before God said, Let there be light, he said, Let there be you. He had already pre- he had already he had already <laughs> He had already created you before he created the foundation of the world. Before he said, let there be light, he said, let there be you. That's why it says that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. How can, you, how can he choose you in him before he laid anything down? Because he took you in time. God is not confounded by time. He, 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 reached, he, he reached his arm forth in time and created you in time, went back, laid the foundation of the world, said, let there be light. Matter of fact, the purpose of creation was for us so that we'd have a place to inhabit. It's like when you get a puppy, you know, or somebody gets a puppy, they say, what's the first thing to ask you? Do you have a home for it? That, that's the purpose of creation was for us. We are, the lesson that we're created in his image. You just have to realize the authority that has been placed upon your life. The whole purpose, excuse me, the whole purpose for this message is I just want people to understand the authority that was a, that was placed on your life from the beginning. You came into this earth chosen. When you came out of your mother's womb, you were already chosen. When, before you could figure out, make your first choice, you were chosen. 
God doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't, he, he's not going to create you for no reason. You are not here living and breathing under my voice with no purpose. God makes absolutely no mistakes. You, man, you think that God makes a mistake? I'm here to tell you he doesn't make a mistake. If you are living and breathing, you have a purpose. The Bible says that the trees will praise God even if you don't. We have a purpose for our life. If you have breath in your nostrils, there's a purpose for your very existence. You are not walking on this earth for no reason. God has created you for something. You have something to do. You have somebody to talk to, somebody to change, somebody to help, somebody to preach to. There's, somebody, there's people on this planet that only you can reach. That, that, that I will not be able to reach, that only you can reach, that only you could speak to, that something about your voice, something about what it, something about you, that only you can do it. The, the devil's job is to get you out of your authority. His job is to get you think you don't have authority. The biggest deception that the devil has ever given man is to convince man that he does not exist. I am not really here. There's no such thing as me. I am the devil, but I'm not here. He wants to make you think that there's no such thing as the devil. That way he can continue to deceive you. The, the devil doesn't come to you plain as day. The Bible says that he transforms himself into an angel of light. He's not going to come up to you in his demonic form and sit here and try to tempt you because you wouldn't obey him. You wouldn't listen to it. I'm just trying to get people to understand the authority that was already placed upon your life from the beginning. God created us to reign. He, I'm not trying to say, I, I know that sounds like I'm trying to preach some type of so, uh, prosperity thing or whatever. It's, he, he created us to reign. I'll back it up with the scripture. The Bible says if we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he is faithful. He cannot deny himself. If we endure with him, we shall also reign with him. Reign is what? The Bible says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but who have now obtained mercy. See, the thing, the devil's job is to get you to not understand the authority that you have. The reason that the devil is able to run and reign and do the things that he does is because people aren't authority that was already given to them. I can't emphasize it enough because the only reason that things go bad is because people don't start, people don't take dominion over certain things. When God created Adam, he gave him dominion over the birds of the air, over the beasts of the field, over every creeping thing. He gave him dominion over those things. This, this is the same thing with the devil. We have dominion over the devil. The Bible says he has, talking about Jesus Christ, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. The, Jesus Christ disarmed the devil on Calvary. At Calvary on the cross, he disarmed the enemy. He stripped him from his power. What does it mean when you disarm somebody? You're mean them. He has nothing to protect himself with. That's why it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's why the Bible gives us all these scriptures about the authority that we have over the enemy. The thing is that you, we were created to reign and rule as kings and priests. That's why in the book of Revelation it says that he is the Lord of lords and the king of kings, small case L, lowercase k, king of kings, lord of lords. Lord of what lords? It's us. The Bible says if we endure him, we shall reign with him. 
the devil's whole job is just to get you out of your authority. Like I was saying about earlier about a police officer. When the police officer puts on the uniform and they put on the badge and they put on the gun, you see the authority. But before they go to work and they're just in their cat in their civilian clothes, you don't see that authority. You only see it when they put on that uniform. It's the same thing with the devil. When you're walking in the spirit, the devil sees that authority. You know, my, my pastor was preaching a message on that one. He said, I don't walk around looking for the, you know, hoping, looking for the devil. Like, what's the devil going to do next? What, you know, he said, I don't walk around looking for the devil and hoping that the devil's not going to attack me. He said, I believe that I wake up in the morning and the devil flees from me. Like, he's up. Got to get moving. And it, that's the point, is that we have dominion over him. When you're truly walking in in the anointing, when you're truly walking in obedience, you have authority over him, and the devil knows it, and he sees it. His job is to get you to shut your mouth and not speak, to not open your mouth and declare things. He knows that your power is in your words. The Bible says in um, Proverbs 18, I think it's 20 through 21, it says, A man shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The Bible says that God has created us in his image and in his likeness. How are we like him? We're like him in the fact that we could come into an agreement with his word. We could speak some things. He spoke this earth into an existence. The way that we're, I'm not saying that you can speak things into an existence, but you could speak in, in, in agreement with his word. <laughs> you could speak with the, in agreement with the word that was already spoken. If the devil comes up to you and attacks you, all you got to do is, is, is command the devil. All you got to do is speak back to the devil. Satan, I bind you in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, I give you the authority to trample over serpents and scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. The Bible says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in this, in this world. I command you to, to whatever, and you can fill in the blanks. He just doesn't want you to open your mouth because he knows the authority that was given to you. His real job is to get you to shut your mouth. That's why there's so much power in our words that when you look at I guess it was, I can't remember, Zechariah or whatever. Uh, it was John the Baptist's father before they bore John the Baptist. He told him that John the Baptist was going to be born. And he said, how am I going to have a son because I'm old in age or whatever? And the Bible says that the angel of God muted him. He made him mute. He said, believed my word and said, I will make you mute. Why did he mute him? Because there's power in his words. The, the, the angel didn't want him to speak in opposition against it. There's power in your words. That's where your authority is. Your authority is in your tongue. The Bible talks about the tongue in the book of James. It says, how can you, it says that out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brother, these, these things ought not to be so. It says, can a, can a, can a river bear for, for us, uh, salt water and whatever at the same time? We have to understand that the power is in your tongue. It's the same thing with speaking in tongues. That's why I believe that he uses our tongue or grabs our tongues when we speak in tongues because he takes the most unruly member of our body and he uses that. Knowing that there's power in our tongue, he uses that to declare, so you can speak power in your life of your situation. But I just want to kind of get back on track into the point, and that's the fact that we have to be walking in the spirit. We have to be walking in the spirit to be able to overcome the enemy. If you are not walking with the authority upon your life, the devil will destroy you. He will destroy you. I mean, he's done it to me. This is not just for I'm, I'm just sitting here saying this, and don't go. And this goes for me too. I mean, it's happened to me before. When I wasn't fervent in His Word, fervent in prayer, fervent in worship, the, the fact that I have a call upon my life to preach, I have to stay in His Word because the devil's going to do everything in his power against me. He don't want me preaching. 
he doesn't want me becoming a pastor of a congregation. He doesn't want me preaching to people. That's the last thing that he wants. So, of course, he's going to come against, uh, come against me. Just like if you have a call in your life, if God's called you to do something, the devil will try to come against it because he does not want to see the manifestations of the things that God has told you that he was going to give you. The devil will come against anybody that was called of God and do any specific thing. The devil's whole job is to come against doing it, it almost you understand you must be doing something right. When he attacks you, you've got to be doing something right because he's not going to attack somebody that he's already got. If he already has you under his sway, he's not going to attack you. Why is he going to waste his time on somebody that's already walking in the flesh? He's not going to waste his time. You see, I'm happy for my enemies because it wasn't until I was attacked on that spiritual level that I realized just – it wasn't until I was attacked to that degree by those, by those demonic forces, whatever. It wasn't until I was attacked on that level that I realized just how good I was doing in my walk with God. You see, your enemies will allow you to know how good your walk is because – the more that he attacks you, the better you're doing. It's, it's going to take more to pull back somebody that's been called of God than it is somebody that's already, you know, a baby Christian, whatever, walking the word. He's not going, put it like this, different levels, different devils, different levels of faith, different devils. You can't expect to overcome the enemy and the enemy to, to, to sit there and just sit back and watch you succeed. The, the devil's job is to pull you back. He's not going to sit there and give up on you. You see, the devil is a spirit. You can't fight a spirit in the flesh. You can't fight a spirit in, in, in the natural. You have to fight a spirit in the spirit. That's why it talks about that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That's how you attack the enemy. If you want... If the devil's attacking you, you've got to start declaring some things. You have to start taking back the authority that was already given to you. You have to start declaring dominion. When David fought Goliath, it was a physical battle that he fought. But you see, all their battles in the Old Testament were physical battles. Our battles are spiritual. The Bible says we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, etc. When he fought Goliath, the Bible says that he fought, that David went against Goliath with a sling in his hand, with a sling. The Bible said he had five more stones in his hand. What does that mean that he had five more stones? He had more giants to face. First, he defeated the paw of the lion. The paw, he defeated the paw of the lion. He said, the same Lord that delivered me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, he shall deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Then he goes on to say, so who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He already knew what God had done for him before in the past. That's what the testimony is. When you can look back and you can say, God, I know what you've done before, done for me in the past. Therefore, I know what you're going to do now, and I know what you're going to continue to do in my life. That's a testimony. When you can look back at the things that God then already did for you. When you can look back and say, God, I know what you've done. I've seen your hands. I know. That's what a testimony is. That's why it says they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. But the only way that we'll be able to overcome him is in the spiritual realm. When Buddha Goliath, he took him down, took down the giant. The Bible says at the end of that story, the Bible says that David, they, it says that they went into the enemy's camp and they plundered their tents. What does that mean? David took back everything that the devil had stole from him. 
the debt might have stole some things from you, but I'm here to tell you that you can take back everything that the devil has stolen from you. You can take back everything that the devil has taken from you. I, I, I don't care what it is that he's taken back. Whatever is yours will stay yours if you declare it is yours. But if you allow him to have it, he will take it. The devil is only going to take what you give him. He can't take anything that you don't give to him. If you give it to him, he will gladly take it. The only way that we can give it to him is by not, by not declaring the things that are already ours, by not walking in that authority. So this is the whole point. I know I'm not screaming as if I'm mad or anything, but I just, I just want people to understand. I don't know who's on this line. I really don't. Um, I'm just saying some things. If it, if it touches somebody, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But the, the, his word is not going to return void. If God's truly speaking through me, it's going to touch somebody. If, if I'm not preaching to anybody else, I'm preaching to myself, and that's fine. But the point is this, we have the authority over the enemy. If you if we don't open our eyes and realize that the authority was already given to us, he will continue to take things from us. The Bible says the thief, but to steal, kill, and destroy. Not only does he want to kill you, he wants to kill you in the midst of your sins. You see, the Bible says the passing pleasures of sin last but for a season. In Hebrews 11, it says that he, he, he rather... I can't. I'm not going to quote it. I can't quote it verbatim. But it says then to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. But the Bible says that sin is a passing pleasure. The devil will sit there and put that apple in front of you and shine it up and make it make it look real nice, like snow, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or whatever. Shine up that little red apple. But the thing is, he wants you to take a bite into that sin. But the thing about the devil is that he will show you how nice the sin looks. He, he will make the sin. He'll make that sin seem real nice, but he's not going to show you the consequences uh, of your actions. The Bible says that the, the soul that sins shall die. You know, so we have to understand this. It's it's getting. I'm just going to wrap it up. The, the point is this: is that it's all about enduring. It's all about you know holding on and, and, and staying steadfast in the faith because you know we're living in a time where we're going to have to have some really strong faith. And this is kind of what I was saying the last time, two weeks ago, I was preaching. Is, I was preaching about enduring, um, but, but that is the point, really, is that we're living in a day and age that things, you know, can get really bad really quick. And there's no telling, you know, when the Lord could come. And, I mean, if we're going to go through some things, if there's going to be some battles that we're going to have to face, we're going to have to understand that you can't fight those battles in the, in the, in the physical. You have to fight them in the spiritual. Um, you know, believe it or not, it's all in the scriptures. I know, you know, a lot of people, you know, will just, you know, look at that and say, well, the Bible says all things work together for good. Those who love God, those according to us, according to his purpose, all things do work together for the good. Even if you aren't declaring some things, even if you aren't fighting the enemy, things will still work together according to the good. But there's some things that you could have taken dominion over that you didn't have to let just slip by. You could have taken dominion over certain things. Even if the devil has his hand upon your mind and he's telling you that you're not going to make it, that you're not going to amount to nothing, you can't be what God has called you to be. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar and he cannot tell the truth. The Bible says he does not stand in truth. And not, even if it's not for somebody in your family or if it's uh, for healing or whatever, you need to take dominion over your own mind. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, this scripture says, uh, I guess it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, 
that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts, this is the point I'm getting to, for he who doubts like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind, for let, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. That's the point I'm getting to, double-minded. One side of your mind is telling you that you're going to trust in God. The other side of your mind is doubting in God. We can't be double-minded. We either have to have all our faith, put all our faith and trust in him or not. But you're not going to get... The Bible says he is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. For let not the man suppose, it says, let him not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, stable in all his ways. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please him because those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We have to, we can't be double-minded. The, the, the point is the devil would love to tell you that you're not going to make it. The devil would love to tell you that, you're, that, that this walk don't mean nothing, that, you know, that your spiritual walk don't mean nothing, that the Bible don't mean nothing. He would love to try to get you out of the Word. So what I'm telling you is this, is that even if it's just for you to endure, we have to take hold and take dominion over, over every demonic or foul spirit that would attempt to hinder the working of God's will in your life, period. So I guess I'm just going to close. Um, I didn't even get to really um, pray. Um, I'm just going to actually just, I just want to pray. Um, I'm pretty much done. I don't really have anything else to say. We still have about eight minutes, so you can pray all you want. Well, I just guess I'll just talk real quick. Um, That's really just all that I wanted to, you know, say is, is that we have to understand that, yeah, we walk in the flesh, but there's a spiritual battle that's going on. And the devil's not going to quit. I'm, I'm not trying to get you discouraged. I'm trying to get you to understand. The devil's not going to quit. He's not going to give up. I mean, I know you could probably testify with me or anybody on the side that, that could testify with me right now. But the things that the devil's attacked him on that, that, and, and even just try to pull him back. You see, the devil's job is to come against anything and everything that is God's will. If you're walking in God's will, the devil's going to come against it. I'm not trying to, you know, give him any power, but you've got to stay full. You've got to stay filled up. That's why it says, my cup runneth over. The Bible says, to him who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, he shall be filled. You've got to stay full. You know, you've you got to stay full of the Holy Spirit, you, Holy Ghost, whichever whatever word you want to use. Um, I go to Pentecostal church. I guess we say Holy Ghost. Um, but the, the point is this. You've got you to gotta stay full. It's like the, the, the ten virgins or whatever. They didn't have enough oil in their lamps. That's what it's about. They didn't have enough of the Holy Spirit. They were not full. And if you're not full, the devil's going to try to come. He's going to test your work. That's why it says, no other foundation could anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this. You still there, Roger? All right, it looks like we lost Roger again. Um, so, everybody, this is uh, Prayer International Radio. Our call-in number, uh, 619-638-8458. Um, for all y'all listening, we only have a few minutes left. Um, if you need prayer between now and tomorrow night, um, you can always email us at prayerinternational at gmail.com. Um, visit our website, which is prayerinternational.org. Um, and so um, we'll be back tomorrow night at 
10 p.m. as always. And so let's, um, unless Roger calls back in in the next uh, few minutes, let's close it off in prayer. Uh, Father God, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your word that we know is true. Father, thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit. Uh, thank you for the anointing that you put on Roger's lips tonight, Lord, delivering your message, Father, that once again, your word is declared that the words that go forth from your mouth will not return to you void. But your words, Lord, will accomplish everything that you sent them for, Lord. Um, and so we put all our trust in you tonight, Father. Lay in our lives before you, declaring your will to be done in our lives, in the lives of our families, in the lives of our friends, our co-workers, and our cities, our nations, our villages, Father. Lord, we ask that you would proclaim the name of Jesus, Lord, through us, that you would raise up disciples, raise up intercessors, Father, raise up harvesters to go out into your fields, Lord, and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we give you Jesus, all the praise. Jesus, we give you all the glory and all the honor. For you alone are the Lamb who sits upon the throne, Jesus. You are the only one worthy of the praise, Father. Thank you. 